Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We're a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoy this week's message by Pastor Dwight Bennett. This is a good day to be in the house of the Lord, amen? How many of you would agree with me that God's got a great plan for your life? How many of you would agree with me that there's several things that try to get in the way? And how many of you would agree with me that we have to endure till the end? Amen. This is a biblical parameter and perspective that God has made perfectly clear. And one of the reasons that we fast is to just do that. We fast so that we can continue to endure through the process of where God has us for the things that we're going to ultimately do. You know, it was interesting this morning, Tammy uh, said to me that Gia, our our little girl here, over here, our granddaughter, she came up to her and she said, Grandma, what scriptures are we going to use today? I want to look them up. Hallelujah. Out of the mouth of a child. Hallelujah. Everybody hold your Bibles up, your phones. Now, we're having a Bible resurgence here at Redeemer's Church. Amen. Uh, and, And man, I don't know about you, but I like the pages. I've told you this many times. How many of you just like the way your Bible smells? I mean, it just smells amazing. I used to love when the dispatch would come as a kid and we'd lay on the floor, my brother and I, and read the sports page, but that paper had a certain smell to it. Amen? Mm, And my Bible smells like fresh bread. Mm, There's fresh bread in the house today. Father, in Jesus' name. We thank and praise you for uh, everything that you're opening the door for us to. We thank and praise you, God, for the incredible missions that you've given us here at this church. We thank you, God, for all of the things that you're laying out that are going to affect so many people with the gospel of Jesus Christ in this upcoming year. And Father, I'm just so grateful that we have chose to plant ourselves in the midst of a 21-day fast. And Lord, I just pray that you would uh, release a a, a spirit of endurance today, because this is only day eight. There's many days to go. And I pray, God, that we would not faint and grow weary in our well-doing for you but that, Father, we would stand strong, be bold, courageous, and that we would have that stick-to-itiveness that we can only have when we trust in you. And so, Father, today, I pray, God, that as we look at having the ability to endure, that we would know, God, that this is something that you felt was extremely important for us to have in uh, in our ability to walk to the fullest place that you've given us to be. And so, Father, today we pray that this word would strike a chord. We know your word never returns void. And we thank you, God, for everything that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Why do we fast? Well, we fast for several reasons. The first is this, because Jesus expects us to. He said, and we know in Matthew chapter 6, he didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. When somebody says when you fast or when you go to the store or when you uh, uh, go to the game, it's not if you're going to do something, it's, it's when you're going to do that. And so Jesus said, when you fast. And then uh, we see the second reason that uh, I'm just going to highlight just for a moment here 
is the second reason we fast is because it teaches us to say no to our fleshly desires. How many of you have had to say no to your fleshly desires this week? Amen. And I know, you know, it might seem like a little thing when you take uh, something that you've uh, loved in your life and you've removed it. It's uh, the eighth day with no diet, Dr. Pepper. And uh, I thought of it 10 times this morning. I told Tammy, I said, this is ridiculous. I've thought of cracking open a diet, Dr. Pepper 10 times just this morning. But guess what? You, you can't have it. I'm speaking to my, my soul. You can't have it. Okay, so get in line. The Bible tells us this in Philippians chapter 3. In verse 17, it says, Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I've told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. 19. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which uh, we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. There is something bigger in your life than your belly and in your flesh and in those things that you desire to take out of life. And we fast to help to redirect our thought process to those things which are of heavenly importance and those things which God sets in our life. The third thing, uh, the third reason why we fast is because there's high levels of spiritual warfare. Betty just talked about that. In the last six or eight months, I've never seen more high levels of spiritual warfare in the things of my personal life and in the things of the kingdom life. And, uh, uh, and, and I know these sometimes are seasonal things, but there is a high season of spiritual activity where warfare is, is in order. Now, we know that uh, when we fast that uh, certain things can happen. We also know that uh, there was one instance when somebody was trying to heal uh, somebody who had uh, seizures and, and the enemy would come and possess their lives and those types of things. And the disciples tried to, to, to pray those things out and they couldn't do it. And Jesus said this to them, there are certain levels of things in spiritual places that can only be broken by one thing. And that's prayer and fasting. When you are in a situation in your life where it seems like a trial that is set before you is bigger than what you can deal with. You've tried everything in, 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 in of what you know to move that trial out of your life. Sometimes those only come out by the revelation that you receive through prayer and fasting. There are spiritual entities that don't, uh, that, that earthly things are going to bear no consequence to them. These are principalities and powers. And we fast and when we are facing high levels of spiritual warfare because uh, some of those uh, principalities and powers, they only come out by prayer and fasting. That's just, that's what the word tells us. The uh, fourth reason I just want to focus on just for a moment here is uh, we fast to express our concern for a, a, a work that God has given us to do. Turn with me, if you would, to Nehemiah. 
in, in your Bible. And uh, when you're there, say, I'm there. I will, I'll wait till you get there. Nehemiah. Okay, Nehemiah 1.3 says this. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burned with fire. This is the report that Nehemiah is getting. And, and so when, uh, uh, concerning Jerusalem. And in verse 4, he says this. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those uh, uh, who love you and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that they may hear the prayers of your servant. Nehemiah was getting the, the scoop on how the destruction of Jerusalem. It captivated his heart to the place to where it brought tears. He couldn't imagine seeing Jerusalem broke down to that level. And he knew that the, the, what God was going to ultimately bring across his path to be the solution to that situation uh, was going to demand prayer and fasting. It's the first thing that he did when he began to embrace the news of what that situation entailed. So fasting helps us to uh, express concern for the work. And number five is not real spiritual, and I don't have a, a scripture for it, basically. But number five is this. We fast to break an attitude problem. We fast to break an attitude problem. I know none of this is going to be relevant to uh, many of you out there because all y'all got perfect attitudes. You've never had any, anything that you've had to bring your flesh in line to. But there are some times when uh, I have the only way that I can adjust an attitude that I'm dealing with is to break my flesh in fasting. And, and to bring my thoughts and, and, and all of the things of my life into order and under the amazing goodness and grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I'm sure you can find a scripture to go along with that fifth reason to fast. But sometimes you just have to fast to change the direction of where your life is going, where, where your words are headed, uh, where your thoughts want to take you where your act, actions and attitudes are going to play out in front of other people. And in order to break those things of your flesh, you've just got to fast. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and we're going to get into a, a few thoughts on endurance. Now, one of the things that I know about all five of those reasons that I gave you to fast, that they are all things that help us to endure till we get to the place to where we know God is, is, is going to help us to see that breakthrough. 
It was uh, interesting last night, and I, you know, uh, uh, you, you, you know I, I enjoy sports, and I was just tr trying not to tune in to the Jacksonville game last night. I was trying not to get interested in that because it was on late, and I, I didn't want to, to do that, but it captivated me. First of all, this team gets down 27 points right away, and it, you know, four interceptions, and it looked like, wow, this thing is, is over. But how many of you realize that it ain't over until the last second goes off the clock, right? There's something about the spirit of endurance that can only, uh, the, the, the effects of it can only be felt in, in, unless you go to the very end of something when it looks like nothing else can, can change or there's no way that victory can be held. And when you hold out to the end and you get the victory that you didn't perceive could ever happen, there, that's the only way that you can feel the significance and, and the good feeling of endurance that it brings in your life. Well, this thing went down to the very end, and, and uh, it was like two different teams played in, in this game. One half was the one team, one half was the other team. But when it was all said and done, a last-second field goal took the team who was down by 27 points and brought them to a one-point victory. Because why? They endured to the end. There is something about uh, uh, the spirit of endurance that brings us, as I said before, into an experience that we cannot have in any other way except by standing fast and, and, and trusting God until you see him break through. And when the God of the breakthrough comes into your life and you get to experience that, there is no better feeling in the entire world. No better feeling in the entire world. There's no, no bigger faith builder than to get into that spiritual situation to where it looks hopeless. But And then God, everybody say, but God. But God, but God, God comes through and, and, and it couldn't have changed in any other way. Now, the Apostle Paul, in the last chapter of 1 Corinthians, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. The Apostle Paul is, is winding up his first letter. He's talking about uh, uh, collecting money for the saints. And I love how he's, you know, I mean, the same things that we would say today, the Apostle Paul saying, he's saying now concerning the collection for the saints, I've given orders to the churches uh, of Galatia so you might do on the first day of the week, set aside your money. Now, don't wait till we get here. Because you won't have all that money set aside. He said, on the first day of every week, set aside a little bit of money. And when we get there, then we'll disperse the collection unto the workers uh, throughout uh, the areas that were effective. Now, go to verse 9. The Apostle Paul says, for a great and effective door has opened to me. A great and effective door. In other words, there's, there's an opportunity to minister that Paul has, and uh, he, then he goes in to say this, that great effective door is open to me, but there are many adversaries. There are many adversaries. I guarantee you, when you begin to, to walk out something in your life that's meaningful and worth something, there's going to be something or somebody or, or a, a spiritual entity, there's going to be something that gets in your way that wants to keep you 
from experiencing that thing when the fulfillment of a word of God comes to, to, to play in your life. He is saying there's, there's a, a great and wide door. If you look in different translations, it says there's just a wide open place for me to minister and to do great things for God. But there are many adversaries that stand in the way. When we think of the idea biblically about those things that are adversaries, we think of uh, when Moses was called to, to take uh, the Israelites and, and, and get them out of Egypt. And, and there was this one big adversary. His name was Pharaoh. And, and God spoke to Moses and said, Look, you are going to be the deliverer of my people. I want you to go uh, 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 tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And, and Moses is thinking, wait a minute, I've been in that court. I know how this operates. I know the power behind the system. I, uh, you know, I, I used to have the benefits of that. I've been away from that for 40 years. Why in the world would I want to go back in and try to do something of this magnitude? Because I know the Pharaoh is not just going to say, Moses, it's good to see you. Come on in, sit down, kill the fatted calf. Moses is back. No, he knew that when he stood before Pharaoh and made that declaration that Pharaoh was going to quickly become an adversary. But Moses had only one thing to hold on to, and that was his faith. He had only one thing to trust. And that was his God. And when it came time to face Pharaoh, he was not just facing a man, he was facing a system. He was not just facing a system, he was facing traditions of all kinds that had been laid out for years and years and years. And when Moses chose to stand before the adversaries, we know what happened. And there's some of you today that there are gov governmental entities. There are uh, people in high levels and places that have created trials for you. But I got good news for you today. If God be for you, who can be against you? If God is with you, then you can guarantee he's not only going to walk with you, but he's going to see you through to the place that, that he's called you to. It doesn't matter if somebody has stoked up a fiery furnace. We know what happened in Daniel's life. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We know that they had purposed to not look like the people that they were captive to, but because they had greater faith in a God that had seen them through. And even in the midst of their greatest adversity, where they could have been killed for making the declaration that they were going to make. They had to make a choice. And they made a choice to not cower back to what everybody wanted them to do, to not uh, embrace the things that sounded good, right? They weren't asking them to do anything but eat the king's food. They weren't asking them to do uh, 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 any hard labor, but Daniel had purposed in his heart that he could not do the things that were going to take away the God that was inside of him. That he could not exchange these things of, of the world for these things of God. That he could not give away who he was, his identity in Christ, 
to take in what the system had to offer him. And there was great opposition against him. We all know that it came to the place to where Daniel made a public declaration. And I love this picture in my mind. I picture him opening up the shutters on his balcony on the second floor where people were out everywhere. And he just started praying. Hallelujah, Father. I thank you. You are the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And everybody's thinking, why is he doing this? Why would he put his whole life at risk? to make a declaration of a God that these people don't appreciate. But what happened was, is because he chose that path, that he got to experience something, that his adversaries fired up a furnace and basically said to them, well, we'll see how good your God is now. And then they put all of these people into the fiery furnace, and then we get to see the fourth man in the furnace, amen? We get to see Jesus walk with them hand in hand in the midst of an impossible situation. And when they came out of that, they didn't even smell like smoke. Because see, this is what happens when you endure through a painful and a tough and a, and a difficult situation. We look at Jesus when we look at Jesus, I, I had to limit uh, his adversaries because they were many. But I want to talk about this particular adversary of Jesus because this is going to strike a chord with many of you. Jesus' adversary that I want to talk about is Judas. Somebody that he picked to be on his team. Somebody that he personally made as one of his disciples. And when Judas was in the place where he was going to turn his back on Jesus, Jesus knew it and he embraced it. And what did he do? We see when the Bible says that at the Last Supper, he says to them, one of you here is going gonna, is gonna to do the do. One of you here is going to turn me in. One of you here is going to, uh, uh, you know, betray me in, in, in an unbelievable way. And what did he do? Did he call out Judas? No. Did he, did he tell the other 11, it's not you, it's not you, it's not you, it's not you. Oh, well, he did not you to Judas, it must be Judas. No. What did he do? He did nothing. Because he knew that in, in the midst of this adversarial relationship that he was building with Judas, he just chose not to give Judas the time of day. He, he, he chose to be more focused on what was ahead of him than who was in his own camp betraying him. Now, folks, I don't know about you. I don't know which family member has betrayed you. I know that a lot of people have betrayals in their families. I don't know what great friends you had in your lifetime at one time that totally betrayed you and you've lost the trust in that thing still affecting you. I don't know at what level in a job situation that you've been betrayed. You've been looked over uh, because of a promotion and you, you thought you should have got that. I don't know what level your betrayal was in your life but if you haven't had one, relax, you will. I guarantee you. 
you know, if I said, let me see the hands of all of y'all who have experienced a trial in your life. I don't even have to do that. I know what the, I know that everybody's hand would go up and some people's feet would go up. You've had many trials. But we can learn from what Jesus did. How he handled the Judas in his life. That personal person whom he was close to, who betrayed him. Now, here we go. Jesus is, is you know, the, the guys are coming to get him. Judas is on the other side now of the fence. And, and Judas, uh, Judas comes up to Jesus and he's standing right in front of him. Jesus is fully aware of what's going to happen. Now, I don't know about you, but if I knew that, uh, Judas would probably got a left and a right. Amen. You know, I'm talking about fivefold ministry, the father, the son, the, you know, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher. You ever heard of fivefold ministry? I told that to Bishop Godfrey, and I'm telling you, every time the Ugandan guy talks to me now, he's like, Pastor, have you given any fivefold ministry lately? <laughs> he thought that he thought that's the absolute funniest thing he's ever heard. But what did what did Jesus do to Judas? Judas, do what you got to do. Okay, I'm 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 headed to my ultimate destiny. Yes, you're going to play a part in it. Just do what you got to do. Kiss me on the cheek. Let's get it over with and move on. He gave he didn't give Judas the time of day. And when he was on the cross with the nails in him, did he say, "Father, I can't believe Judas did this." No. What did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. See, the idea of an adversary at that level in your life, it's your choice what you do with it. Mmm, that hurts. Pastor, you don't know the depth of my hurt. No, well, you don't know the depth of mine either. But what are we going to do? Lament with each other? Or, what, or, or are we going to stay focused on what's ahead of us? The prize, the high calling that God has in our life. Listen, that is one of the highest forms of endurance. Is when somebody who is in your inner circle deliberately stabs you in the back that you can remove the knife and say, clean this up before you stab anyone else. It's not easy to endure. It's not easy to do these things. If it were, then everybody's journey would have been in a much different place by this time in your life. That's why the, the word even sounds long, endurance. I mean, when I say the word endure, it makes me tired, Rick. It's like, no, I can't endure another step, another day. I, I can't go to Planet Fitness one more time at six in the morning. And when I get in the car and look in the mirror and drink my coffee, I'm glad I defeated the bed demon. The demon of 6 a.m. In the winter when it's still dark and it's freezing and you, you put on your workout gear and you get in the car that's freezing. <laughs> but you don't know what it's like to get that feeling of going through your workout until you get out of bed and get to the place that you need to be. There is power in enduring. 
And that power comes because when you endure, your faith grows to a whole nother level. So many times in people's life, their faith is not where they would like it to be because they have not endured through the difficult moments. There are difficulties that we face in our lives. How would you like to be Joseph? Okay, I mean, you, you, you get this great word. I'm not even going to go into all of his, his adversaries. But because Joseph chose to stay focused on what God's mission was for his life, there was not an adversary that could hold him back. The Apostle Paul said a great wide open door for ministry is before me. But I know as soon as I step out that door that there's going to be many adversaries that are going to want to hinder my progress. If it was that way for the Apostle Paul, I guarantee you it's not going to be any different for you or me. And we have to get to the place to where we build an endurance uh, 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 factor into our lives. We have to endure these things. Turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews uh, chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. When you're there, let me know. Phil, you're always an overachiever. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's what I love about you. Love that about you. Now, Hebrews chapter 12, the writer of Hebrews is going to talk about our walk of destiny with God. He's going to compare it to a race. It says this, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we must lay aside every weight... Do you guys ever think about who has gone before you to get you to the place where you are now? If you don't, you need to. If you haven't written them down, you should. Because there are people that have paid a great price in the kingdom of God uh, uh, to get you to where you are now. And there are more people paying a price to get you to the next place you're going to ultimately be. Now... We have to choose to be the ones who pay the price. Why? Because I've said this many times. History is demanding for you to get it right today because people are waiting to find Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. They need for you to turn up your endurance switch to get to the place that you need to be because people are waiting to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. We've got to lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us. Listen, let us run with what? Endurance. Let us run with endurance. Endurance is the power to go through a difficult process or situation without giving up. Endurance is something that we choose to hold our ground in the midst of a conflict. Endurance is uh, holding out under stress. Anybody experienced any stress in the last three years? Anybody by chance might have experienced a little stress? Hold on. Hold on. Endurance is uh, not backing down to adversity. Endurance is being strong and courageous under pressure. 
I've told you this story before, but we were playing 21 in my driveway when we lived on Funston Court, and a kid that I had been ministering to uh, for months and months and months uh, it was in my driveway, and, and uh, I had, if I knocked down all three free throws, I would get to 21, I would be the winner. And so the first free throw, nothing but net. And so this kid starts razzing me, busting me. Oh, yeah, but you know, that first one's always the easiest. And the second one, that's going to be difficult. So I did my three dribbles, spun the ball, boom, nothing but net. Oh, yeah, well, you, you, you know, if you don't make this one, you got to go back to 12 because that's what happens. You, you got to go back if you get to 21. It's the whole thing of the game. And I put my ball in, in my side and I said, Eric, let me tell you what pressure is, brother. Pressure is when you stand before God and he asks you, did you know my son? Brother, that's pressure. Free throw is nothing. Three dribbles, spin, boom, knocked it down and I just walked. It was a drop the basketball moment. We have to endure the race that is set before us. How? We look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for who the joy that was set before him, what did he do? He endured what? The cross. He endured the cross. Somebody went to the cross for you. The next time you get into a situation to where it seems like you've got no energy, to go another step, you just say this, thank you, Jesus, that you endured the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Turn everything around, get out of your own little spectrum and get into his world because for the joy that was set before him. I don't know about you, but going to the cross was not an easy thing for Jesus. But for what would transpire after that, he went anyway. And after he endured the cross, the Bible says he got his place seated at the right hand of the Father. See, he had to endure the cross and pay the price so that you could be free and he could have his rightful place. See, so many times we refuse to go through the pain of what it's going to take to get us through the situation we're in. You know, to make the right choices, to humble yourself. So many things we endure would simply change in a second if you would just humble yourself in the midst of the place that you are. If you would not embrace your adversary and wear them like a ball and chain. If you would release people through forgiveness, you, you would see that your life is going to change dramatically in the place where you need to endure. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God. It's amazing what happens at the end of what you are enduring. If you would turn with me to, to James chapter 1. James, just flip a few more pages. It, this was an easy one. If you're there, let me know you're there. I like this. The men have created a race. This is now a competition. Amen. Rick beat you. He got you on that one, Phil. <laughs> I love it. I love it. What does James say right at the beginning? 
of, of his book. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it all joy when you're in the midst of a trial. That, that, that's, the Bible has so many of these statements in there. Just count it all joy when you get into the midst of a mess. And then this, listen what it says. Because in the midst of this trial, there's a knowing that the testing of your faith produces something. The testing of your faith produces patience. Now, I'm going to ask you if you have uh, got your faith GPA lately. Okay, because the testing of your faith, this is a test. What's your GPA when it comes to passing the test and your faith has carried you through the circumstance that you're in? What's your GPA? Is it 3.4? Is it 1.8? What is it? How many times are you passing and failing tests of faith? Well, when you, when you don't pass the test of faith, you don't build the things that come after that. Because the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its, what? Perfect work. There are some trials that you go through, you just have to relax and go through them. Because there is a perfect work that is being done in you. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And it will be given to him. Now, here we go. Stay with me here. But let him ask in faith. No doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let no man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all of his ways. Why do we have those times of doubt and discouragement and depression, many times it's because we've came to the place to where we have had to trust God and we have went back to the checkbook. Maybe if I add it again, you know, the totals will come up right. No, I can't add that again. Well, I've tithed in my life. I know that that God is going to keep the devourer out of my storehouse. Well, let me add up my checkbook one more time. It's, it's either or. It, it, it can't, it, it, it's got to be one or the other. You're either going to trust your addition and, and subtraction in your checkbook, or you're going to trust the one who said, this is what I will do when you trust me with your finances. And so if I am in a pickle financially, and th then I can trust the God who's promised me that this will happen. And what I'm going to continue to do is do the right thing over and over and over and over again. And I'm going to watch God get the glory for this situation. See, that's how we endure. But we can't trust in, in our flesh and, and in a spiritual principle because they, 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 they're oil and, and water. They don't mix. Okay? Now... Let the lowly brethren glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with the burning heat than it withers the grass. It, it, its, flowers, uh, its flower falls and its beautiful appearance perishes, and so the rich man will also fade away in his pursuits. But verse 12 says this, What blessed is the man who what? 
endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will what? Receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. How amazing is this? That God says, if you will trust me and endure through these different times of temptations where you're, you're tempted to trust somebody else. How much is it going to take you to get into that car, David? How much is it going to cost? What, what can I do for you, David, to get you in this car today? How many times have we heard that line? Okay, so, okay, well, you know, I can't afford a payment any more than $300. Oh, well, David, no problem. Just sign right here. We're going to get you right into that car, and you're only going to have to pay for it for the next 21 years. <laughs> but if 300 bucks will get you into this car, I can make that happen. Is that a good deal? No. It's not what somebody can make happen. People can make things happen for you all the time, but only God through endurance and walking out with him can provide what the promises of this book. Come on, somebody. Somebody ought to get a little more excited than that. Ooh, my God, my God, my God, he delivers. He delivers, amen? You have to know that. You cannot be moved like the waves of the sea. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Timothy. We're, we're looking at different people's perspective of, of enduring. 2 Timothy. Let me know when you're there. Second Timothy chapter 2. We're almost ready to wind this down. Why do you fast? Because... To get to the place where you need to endure through, there better be less of you, as John the Baptist said, and more of him. I'm just telling you, if you're going to endure your trials, your temptations, your disappointments, your discouragements, if you're going to persevere through the Judases of, the, of those who are close to you and you thought were your friends, if you're going to persevere through the high-level things that God calls you to do, then you're going to need to fast. You're just going to need to fast. And you need to do it fast. You need to, you need to, do, you need to do it quickly. And I, I, I'm just being honest with you. We're only in day eight of our corporate fast. Some of y'all have given up things that you're used to having, and you're finding that it's not easy, right? We, one of the things I've given up is sweets. And you say, big deal. It's like, no, it's a big deal. I mean, I actually heard the ho-host talking to me at Kroger's the other day. It sounded like Gollum's voice. Ho-hos, ho-hos, ho-hos. See, your big deal and my big deal, you know, they, they might be two different things. But when you're giving up something that's going to hurt you, it's going to help you in the end. It's going to help you in the end. You need to fast. Why? Because Jesus said when you fast, okay? Verse, or chapter 2, verse 1. 2 Tim 2, 1. Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace 
that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in what? The grace that is in who? Christ Jesus. Ride the wave of his grace in your life. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who are able to teach them also. Now listen, verse 3, you therefore must endure. You must share in the hardship of this work as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Wow, now we're really getting into something. We are, if we are going to be a soldier in the army of God, then we have to purpose to endure through painful moments. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of, uh, the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must uh, uh, be first to partake uh, of the crops. Consider what I say. May the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember, Jesus Christ is of the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evil, evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not changed. Verse 10, everybody say, therefore. Therefore, I endure all things for what? The sake of the elect. Who is the elect? It's the people. It's people. The, I, I endure for the sake of the elect. That what? They may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Why do we fast? Because it's not in our normal nature to want to give up our life so somebody else can have something because of what we gave up. And the, and, and, and the writers of the word know that. We are not designed. We are designed to just do you and me. That's what we're designed to do. There is just something internally in all people that first of all, you know, when I get mine, you'll get yours. No, that's not, that's not, the, that's not the, the kingdom that we live in. Now listen to this. There is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, what? We shall also live with him. If we endure, what happens? We shall reign with him. This is good stuff. If we endure, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. An amazing God. He is worth enduring for. You cannot endure as a soldier of Christ without the grace of God. It's impossible. The task is too big. It's too great. Mm. There are some of you today listening to this, and you've, you've been dealing with a trial for years. You've been dealing with something either interpersonally or through somebody around you, and this message is for you today because you're going to set a different face of endurance for your situation, and you're going to purpose to see God do something amazing in and through you. Now, turn with me for the last scripture here. Although, oh, which one am I going to choose to be the last scripture? Oh my gosh. Let's go to Romans. 
This is where I'm going to end today. I'm going to end in Romans chapter 5. Therefore, in chapter 5, verse 1, having, you know, how, how many times have we started out a scripture text today with therefore? I mean, because there's something, but therefore, there, there's something, but God, there's, there's always something, right? There's always something, but the writer says this, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have what? Access by what? Faith into what? Grace. We have access by grace. And it's just like opening up, you know, your wallet and, and taking your credit card and putting it in your debit card, not your credit card, and paying for your groceries. You put your debit card in there. I have access to my uh, 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 Kemba account because this card, I have faith that when I put it in here, that Kemba will say, yes, this guy has the money, and then I'll walk out with my groceries. This, I mean, I, I hate to simplify this scripture to that level, but through whom we also have access, what is our card? Faith. Into his grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope, in the hope of the glory of God. Now listen to this. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produces perseverance, which is endurance. And endurance produces character. Isn't it interesting that sandwiched in between trials and character is endurance? The pathway of building character. When I say, when I talk about building character, I always talk about building confidence. Because when you have character, you have confidence in the one who has enabled you to have that character. You got to have a trial so you can endure. But when you endure, you build something. See, endurance is not a bad thing to have. Endurance, learning how to endure, is going to build you into the person, the husband you need to be, the wife you need to be, the father and mother, the grandparent, the, 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 the uh, uh, evangelist that you need to be. It's endurance that puts you into a place where we become a part of bringing the elect to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Would you stand with me today? I know that enduring in certain circumstances is not easy. I get it. I get it. But today I'm hoping that you'll take this, the meat of this message and you'll start applying it to the situations in your life that, are, that remain trials and you can't move them on to a place where they can have character in you. The trial is still defeating you. The trial is still overcoming you. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. Now, how many of you are getting beat up by your trials? Okay, you know, it's like, come on, you know. <laughs> but there's a reality behind life. 
And my reality rests in Jesus Christ and his ability to move me in the next dimension of who I'm going to become as the man of God he's called me to be. And Father, in Jesus' name, I pray over each life represented here because this is not just any life. This is a specific life. This is a life that you knew before the foundations of the earth. These are lives that you positioned into the wombs of mothers, knowing even which womb that they would be in. Father, these are not just any lives. These are kingdom lives. And Father, I pray, God, that the kingdom practical principles of your word would come alive in every one of these special lives, that the things that you have in store for those who have not yet found you as their personal Savior can begin to occur. Father, I thank you today that we can be those who choose to endure, to not let the Judases of the world bog us down, to not look at adversaries like Pharaoh and say they're insurmountable, but I pray that these lives, your lives, the, the lives that have chosen your kingdom, would also choose to operate under the power of their king. And so, Father, today, as we move forward into uh, uh, January of, of 2023, that as we move into this place of our destiny, that we will not look back because it's going to happen quick. December 31st will get here so quickly again, like it always does. But this year on the 31st, we're going to look back at the things that we are not embattled with, the trials that are not weighing us down. And we're going to talk about all of the victory and all of the purpose and all of the great things that God has done in each of our lives. Father, if we don't speak it, it's not going to happen. If we don't purpose it, it will not take place. So, Father, today I speak life over each life that's represented here and uh, at home, watching us on, uh, 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 on our Internet page. Father, that you would do what needs to be done to bring victory into each of our lives. And so, Father, we thank you. We praise you. We're excited to be in this place of your kingdom, to get to do what you've called and gifted us to do. And, Father, we just pray all of these things in the precious and powerful name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, Amen. and all of God's people said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. This is my year. I'm going to purpose it. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listen to this teaching from God's Word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.